Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode is part of our Health IT series from the AMA Medical Student Section Committee on Health Information and Technology. My name is Christopher Jackson. I'm your host for today and a medical student at the University of Toledo College of Medicine. Today's guest is Dr. Edward Melnick, an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine and Biostatistics at Yale. Dr. Melnick's research focuses on improving EHR usability to improve healthcare quality and delivery. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Melnick. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Uh, happy to join and uh, be a part of your group. Um, so how are you involved in the health IT space and what are you currently working on? Um, so a lot. <laughs> uh, I guess the, the, the broad summary is really that uh, my, my research program focuses on uh, using research as a tool to improve digital health user experience. Um, so broadly, that can be for patients or other members of the uh, care team. Um, as an emergency physician at Yale, I use the EHR um, in my clinical practice. So a lot of um, what I do is, is informed by what that experience is like. Um, but specifically, I focus in, in three broad categories. Uh, so design, evaluation, and measurement. Um, so historically, my research had been more in the design space, um, trying to understand challenges to uh, following best practices in evidence-based medicine and building uh, more user-friendly interventions to, to help with uh, adoption of, of best practices uh, in actual routine um, clinical care. Uh, so in, in that, that's kind of the first piece, then also evaluation of, of uh, interventions that we've built. Uh, and then the third piece is, is measurement. So actually uh, measuring more broadly how uh, people interact uh, with digital health, but more specifically the EHR. So what I'm working on right now in that space, uh, we, we actually just wrapped up a large clinical trial evaluating a user-centered a clinical decision support tool to um, facilitate uh, adoption of, of medication treatment for addiction in the emergency department. So uh, treating patients with opioid use disorder uh, with buprenorphine is uh, pretty new to a lot of emergency providers. Uh, so we built some uh, resources for them and rolled them out across five healthcare systems and have just completed a large trial studying that, we're analyzing the results of that now. Uh, so that's the design and evaluation pieces that are active. And then in the EHR use measurement space, I'm very interested in just how we can quantify uh, what that experience is with the EHR and, and show where there are gaps and then you know use the, that empirical uh, data to, to close those gaps. Um, so I've, uh, am, am now transitioning from two old AMA uh, practice transformation initiatives to a, a new one. Uh, and the first two were about standardized measurement of EHR use in ambulatory care and um, analysis of, of uh, EHR use and how it relates to physician turnover. Um, so we're, we're launching a, a third project now that uh, dives a little deeper into that. Um, so that's the research, and then also uh, oversee a clinical informatics uh, fellowship program 
which is a pathway to board certification in clinical informatics. And uh, we take one fellow each year for a two-year program and try to uh, give them a broad introduction to the field of clinical informatics. But when they work with me, uh, you know, kind of focusing on, on those areas uh, in, in terms of the front end of health IT and, and what that user experience is and how to improve usability for patients and, um, you know, clinicians uh, taking care of them. Okay. Um, and we kind of already got into this, but what do you see as the impact of your work and what do you hope will be the impact of your work? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to uh, shift what that user experience is like, right? Um, so there's quite a bit of frustration uh, with current uh, interface and workflows of the EHR and uh, how can we use research as, as a lever to um, draw attention to that and uh, make improvements. And so for, for like the, the design, often it's, it's a single clinical decision where we're trying to figure out what, what would work best here. Um, for measurement, it's, it's more broadly, uh, where are the gaps, how, how can we close them? Okay. And I know it's a favorite of everyone in the medical profession is to talk trash about the EHR. It's one of the, the great talking points, but what is something that they do well that we don't commonly think about or that we don't commonly see day to day? What's something that the EHR has actually helped streamline as they are currently? Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely frustrations with use, but uh, in terms of what's happened in, in healthcare in the last decade or even two decades, um, we've, we've undergone a real computerization that's been quite rapid. Um, and so some of the things that we take for granted are uh, what it really means to have a functional and reliable uh, system as the backbone across large healthcare systems, right? So uh, the, the ability to, um, you know, collect, store, share uh, data and information about patients, um, although it's, it's fragmented and we still have a ways to go in terms of interoperability across systems, is still really powerful. Um, so, so that's, I think, probably the biggest win. Uh, the safety side of things, also there's different schools of thoughts. So there's probably major advantages in terms of uh, patient safety for, for how uh, the computer can, can act as a safety net. Uh, that said, there's also been unintended consequences and new safety challenges as a result of you know, some of the the troubles with the system, but I, I would put it broadly in those three categories, you know, to have functional, reliable systems across, uh, you know, lar large networks with the, the ability to share data and then um, to prevent medical errors uh, more broadly, often related to medication administration, uh, although there, you know, again, are unintended consequences. Yeah, I went with my dad to the doctor yesterday and his doctor still uses paper charts and I was just, I was blown away. Like we, we still, they still make those. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, very rare. <laughs> First time I've heard about it in a while, but it, we're definitely not at a hundred percent, although we're, we're certainly close and, and we've come a long way, you know, again, in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, how has COVID affected your work and what changes have you seen? Yeah, well, I mean, my academic work is almost, entirely remote now. Um, the, the clinical space, of course, in the emergency department uh, changed pretty rapidly to accommodate um, COVID patients. And uh, now that we're you know, much later and hopefully towards the tail end of, of the pandemic, uh, we're, we're potentially 
uh, coming closer to uh, normal. Um, you know, our, our patient volumes uh, dropped considerably. And just because we had fewer patients coming in, uh, some of them were actually uh, more sick. And uh, just due to trying to figure out where patients go and what the processes look like, uh, at least locally at Yale, I think we're, we're still undergoing um, a lot of uh, strain in terms of patients that are boarding in the emergency department. Uh, on the, the academic side, though, in, in terms of uh, COVID and, and uh, you know, being at this once in a century time uh, for, for the research piece, uh, actually, the, the trial I mentioned to you, we leveraged a lot of our infrastructure to uh, pull data on trends related to COVID. So um, tried to you know, do our part to helping understand what was happening, uh, often related to these trends you know, across our trial network. Um, and then, I mean, I, I guess as an educator also, we're just in, you know, as a medical student, I'm sure you appreciate this, a, a, a more challenging time in terms of what it means to, um, to teach and to learn. Uh, when, when a lot has, has shifted um, remotely. So I actually taught a course in our School of Public Health on clinical decision support this spring, which we had designed to be very interactive. Um, and we taught it entirely remotely. And it actually ended up going okay uh, in, in terms of ways to engage the group. Uh, definitely would have looked a lot different in person though. What do you see as a, like the tech changes that we implemented during COVID? What do you think is going to stay? What do you think has staying power? Yeah, well, definitely the telehealth, um, you know, boom is is here to say to some degree. Uh, early on in the pandemic, I think we thought it was going to be bigger than it may end up being. There's still a lot of clinical care that you just can't deliver remotely, and a lot of patients that want face to face. That said, there there are other things that you really don't need to do face to face and. Um, some of the, the burden of uh, being a patient and making it to the doctor for something that can be managed by an email or a phone call. Um, I, I think, you know, that transition has, has started to occur and, and will likely stay to some degree. Uh, I think there's going to probably, the pendulum is probably going to swing back and forth a little bit until we figure out what it means exactly. Um, with our AMA work, we looked at a lot of inbox uh, messaging that occurred across ambulatory practices um, at Yale New Haven. And uh, some of that burden, although it, it's been taken off the shoulders of patients, which is important, uh, gets transferred to the clinicians and their team in terms of how to triage me messages and address messages. So one thing that helps in this space is um, at least formal telehealth appointments, there was a shift in reimbursement. And when reimbursement changes, I think, you know, um, delivery kind of follows suit. So certainly for the appointments that we can do over telehealth that are covered by insurance, um, that's, that's a win. And, and again, it'll settle out, I think, eventually what should or should not be in person. Uh, the messaging is still something that, uh, you know, is, is, a win for patients, but for um, clinicians, it's can some, something that I think will continue to uh, be worked out in terms of whose role it is and how best to make the process to answer patients' questions quickly, but in a way that 
is not overwhelming um, to their actors. Um, and in about 10 or 15 years, when we're all practicing physicians and the people listening to this are hopefully practicing physicians, um, what do you think are going to be the challenges that we're going to be facing in health IT and what will have changed at that point? Yeah, I think future gets a little murky more than five years out uh, because we could go in a lot of different directions and, and who knows what other emerging technologies will arrive and disrupt how we deliver care. Uh, looking more in, in, in the next five years, though, um, that one of the, the big changes, I think, is uh, as part of the 21st Century Cures Act, uh, there's a, a lot more interoperability uh, and ability to uh, build essentially apps on top of the EHR. So we're already starting to see these um, third-party software platforms disrupting the space and actually building things that work better for, for uh, doctors and patients. Uh, so, so I think that we may begin as a result of that to see uh, the EHR vendors more as the operating system. So if you think of the app store on your smartphone, um, you know, the, the Android or, or the Apple piece is, is, is what's running in the background and then you download your apps. So I, I don't think it'll be quite that uh, equivalent, but there will definitely be, um, you know, third-party things running on top of the EHR that, that streamline the process for a lot of, um, you know, routine clinical workflows within different specialties. And each one, you know, really requires a lot of thought uh, and careful uh, design based on whatever the clinical evidence is or, or what the um, what the, the clinical processes are around it. And I think it's really interesting to think what can be done in a really centralized way about that. And then how much of that actually becomes also like a local practice pattern. So I think the most uh, nimble, you know, third-party apps in that space will probably be understanding of both possibilities. You know, can we build something that is universal versus can we build something that uh, really meets local practice needs? Um, so there's that, you know, in, in terms of, of, of really the next five years. And um, my hope is that the EHR use measurement space draws attention and we start to, you know, again, kind of close gaps and, and that there's uh, more of a push for more usable um, technology in general. And, and you can definitely have disruption in this space uh, a lot of it relates to billing. Um, so how do you actually check boxes, for example, to, to drop a charge on, on a chart? Some of that has changed actually just this year in ambulatory care. That's a big win for, for doctors in terms of the burden of, of EHR use. It's kind of unrelated to the technology itself. Um, but, but as we move in this direction, I think there's gonna be a lot of push and pull until we figure out um, you know, what works and what doesn't and how much does, does the government wanna get behind uh, particular pieces. What, we, what we've seen, though, in, in other industries um, is that uh, over time, uh, usability goes from something that's unrecognized to uh, something that's appreciated and really just becomes baked into the, the strategy of a, an institution or a company. So my dream and, and, and what I think may happen in more like 10 or 15 years is that we actually have uh, designers and, and usability and human factors, engineers, uh, really thinking about this, uh, you know, for the, the end to end user experience of what's it like to be a patient from the time, you know, you, you think about an appointment till you arrange the appointment, go to the appointment, go, come home and, and what comes after. And then for 
the you know clinician what's it like to log into the system take care of a patient go to the next patient um, there's a lot of meta level pieces on that too um, like for in the emergency in the emergency department where I practice we're you know managing multiple patients at the same time they're coming and going and acuity levels are changing so really understanding that and and uh, building systems that support that as opposed to potentially get in the way of it. Um, and as we wrap up here, Dr. Monik, are there any uh, ways or avenues that you want students or people who are listening to be able to reach out to you and follow your work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm on Twitter, I guess. Uh, that's where I often will post new uh, papers. When I have something big, usually I, I try to get it through Yale News. Um, so that's, you know, a good platform. Uh, I tend to follow just like the table of contents on like the JAMA journals and uh, JAMIA, uh, you know, that's the American Medical Informatics Association. Uh, and, you know, that way you see like new articles as they come out, some are mine, some are not. Uh, and it's, it's funny, like, you know, once you're on Twitter for a while, often you find that group of people in your space and, and sometimes you're seeing the articles there uh, before uh, they make it even to the table of contents. This has been Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and goodbye.